Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome to the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out fivereasonsports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, reasonsports.com. All of our latest columns, stories, YouTube channel, videos. we got a bunch of new stuff going up there. We're really building out the YouTube channel. Uh, Friends of Five, Five Reasons to Drink. We've got a bunch of new commentaries. We've even got a new base. We don't know if baseball's coming back, but we've got a new baseball uh, property. It's called Loaded Bases. The Christian Pupo is going to be hosting. That's going to be on our YouTube channel, so make sure you check that out. And of course, all of our merchandise, we've got our Heat merchandise, we've got our Dolphins merchandise, but we also have a Light Skin Opinions shirt, which if Alf was on this episode, he would talk about. Um, it's Black Lives Matter shirt and the proceeds or all the profits go to the know your rights campaign. So make sure that you check that shirt out. It is on the website right now. Also check out all of our sponsors. Got plenty of sponsors in the five reasons sports network. They are all local, including Gonzalez and Tybor. It's a law firm that you can find at bankruptcy is good for you.com. That's bankruptcy is good for you.com. Also at nine, five, four, six, seven, eight, eight, three, five, four, nine, five, four, six, seven, eight, 8354. An attorney will answer your call and get back to you. They represent clients in South Florida, but also in Orlando, Tampa, and Fort Myers. And they do consultations via telephone or video conference. And a lot of people gotten used to Zoom. That's how we do our podcast. You can definitely check them out on video conference. You know, bankruptcy, a lot of people don't like to talk about it, but it's one of the few laws that exist to actually help consumers. The new stimulus package, the act that just came out, made some important changes to the bankruptcy laws. Make sure you have a lawyer explain the changes. Don't try to do these things yourself. They've got payment plans and little to no upfront fees, so there's not much to lose. They can help you or anyone you know. If you're lucky to make it through COVID with no financial problems, chances are you know someone who is not that lucky. Gonzalez and Tybor, bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com can help. Even before the pandemic, a lot of people were carrying a lot of debt, living paycheck to paycheck. Bankruptcy provides a chance to start fresh and it does not ruin your credit. In fact, most people see an increase of 100 to 150 points on their credit score within a year of filing. So it's bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. Again, bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. Gonzalez and Tybor, 954-678-8354. Let me do it one more time. 954-678-8354. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954, brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. No Alphonse Sydney tonight, but I've got Alex Toledo and of course, one of our semi-regulars, Greg Sylvander, you can find him at Greg Sylvander on Twitter, who's also used to be known as Lefty Leif. We're going to do something today as we know that the NBA is coming back. We know the Heat are coming back late July, July 31st should be the first games, eight regular season games for every team. Then you play the playoffs, East versus East, West versus West. The Heat can be anywhere between pretty much the three and the six seed and can play any one of four teams in the first round. Here's what we're going to do tonight, guys. We're going to go through 
the five people on the Heat with the most at stake. As the season resumes, as the playoffs start, and the Heat will be part of the playoffs, who are the five people with the most at stake? Now, full disclosure, Greg, Alex, and I talked about this a little before the episode because we want to make sure we're at least discussing some of the right people. We're going to go one through five. But for numbers four and five, there's going to be some debate. We're going to put those two in categories because I think there's a lot of Heat people with stuff at stake. But let's go to number one. Consensus was Jimmy Butler. Leif, why? It's Jimmy's team. I mean, Jimmy has explicitly stated that he wanted his own team and uh, came to Miami, sold on that. You know, they even talked about like putting the ball in his hands and what that would mean, like from the on-court perspective, but also just being the absolute alpha um, for a franchise. And that's what he's got. So now he's, he's the leader of these guys and he's got a lot of the young guys around him that he's molding. So it's definitely Jimmy. It seemed like an easy choice. Alex, was there any debate? Because we, we all agreed on number two. It's interesting that you say that. Uh, so you said consensus, and I would say, yeah, I would probably end up putting Jimmy, but I, I would probably go back and forth. Like, I end up finding myself calling them in, interchangeable just as we were talking about them being, you know, who is the most important or who's the best player on the team. I kind of see it as interchangeable here because, yes, Jimmy has the pressure. He's the one who, you know, left the team that everybody thought, he should have stayed on. He passed up on playing for one of the LA teams to come over here. So I think that automatically puts him overboard because he put he set himself up with the pressure, right? He he turned down other opportunities that were seemingly better as far as trying to win a championship. And now he's the alpha dog. So I think 100% it's probably him. And then the thing with Bam, it's like, uh, you know, he's kind of the foundation, right? He's the future of this team. And I think like him being really good in the playoffs could matter for trying to get other guys here uh, would matter a lot for Bam's confidence. Could probably take another leap next year if he has a good playoff run. Um, so I think they're almost interchangeable. But Jimmy Jimmy wanted this pressure, so he's number one. Yeah, I debated it too, and I think you can make a case for Bam, and obviously that's going to be our number two. But I, the reason I'm going with Jimmy, other than just wanting the pressure, is to me this is all part of the Heat experiment, right? The, the, the question was, could you get another guy of Jimmy Butler's c- caliber to want to come here? And then could you make it work with a player who is perceived to be difficult somewhere else? And so I think it's – and he hasn't proven to be difficult with Miami. And so I think it's as much about – it's important for Jimmy, but it's also important for the Heat in relationship to Jimmy. That this thing has to work because the question becomes after this, if it doesn't, And then you're looking at that contract down the line as Jimmy gets older. Then you're looking at a contract that looked like a really, you know, something you could live with and obviously was the thing you needed to kickstart the franchise to, uh uh-oh, that's an albatross. And you don't want to cross into albatross territory. And you also don't want to cross in there with a personality like Jimmy's, uh, where I think that, you know, it can go, things can go bad quickly if, it doesn't work out. And I have no reason to believe it won't work out. Again, I've had a lot of communication with people around Jimmy all year, but how happy he is. Um, you can see it with Jimmy. Um, obviously I think he's been a great influence on the young players on this team. I think he is most responsible in a lot of ways for, for Bam's development because in Bam's confidence. So all of that is part of it, but we all talked about it. Jimmy, when, when Jimmy's left other teams, those teams got worse, Chicago, Minnesota, Philadelphia. And Jimmy was the best player in the playoffs of Philadelphia last year. And what I was told about Jimmy Butler was, okay, regular season's fine. Give him two weeks to prepare for an opponent. Give him two weeks to break down an opponent. Give him two weeks to lock in mentally on somebody or something. And you're going to see a new level for Jimmy Butler. Will we see it? 
And so that to me is a question. The other thing well, is Jimmy, Jimmy quick, has quick interruption there. It's funny that you say that because now he's not going to have that time, right? He's not going to get yeah. the time because before we, we thought it was just going to be, you know, they're going to play Indiana this whole time. Uh, they were getting ready for Indiana. And now it's like, well, they might play Indiana. They might play Philly. They might play uh, Boston. Maybe could possibly play Toronto. It's a long mm-hmm. shot. But there you go. Jimmy doesn't have that advantage anymore. He doesn't have it in advance, Alex, but he has it. One of the things that people around him talk about is he's able to adjust on the fly in these situations. And when they say two weeks, they don't necessarily mean two weeks, okay, dead stop, and then two weeks later he's going to play somebody. It's more so over the course of two weeks that when Jimmy's locking in on a particular particular offensive player against him or, or how he's going to break down a defense, that Jimmy will figure it out in the same way that LeBron used to figure things out. Obviously not at high, as high a level, but in that way. And I think, you know, that's what you, I mean, a lot of the stuff with LeBron that we can talk about the physical gifts, but a lot of it was you look at the Boston game that's been replayed a million times over the past few weeks. LeBron threw out that series. I mean, I recall it vividly. I mean, he was trying to figure out what Boston was doing to him defensively. It's the same thing with the Spurs in the 13 series. Okay. And so uh, Jimmy has some of that in him, not at his high level. And I, so I look at it guys like he, he's got an opportunity to prove he can be, Maybe not the best player on a team because I think ultimately Bam or somebody else who comes in may ultimately be that when this team gets where it wants to go. But he can be the alpha dog. He can be the guy that everybody follows in a playoff run. And, and so I think that's where we're at. Let's, let's get to number two. You guys all talked about him. I'll start. I'll go to you guys. Uh, you hit on it. Bam, Bam's transformation this year is remarkable in so many ways. But the biggest thing is he has suddenly become <laughs> – like a magnet for other players (laughs) like this is how that happens I mean I go back to Dwayne Wade Dwayne Wade became a magnet for Shaquille O'Neal in the 2004 playoff run life so like I feel like that same thing could happen with Bam like even with the break like Bam has stayed out there on social media some of that's it but people talking about him for awards like I feel like his status has grown without playing now, if he does something while he's playing, we're looking at a whole different kind of monster for the Heat. No, it's it's so it's huge. It's one thing for him to be doing that on a nightly basis with the local crowd watching, and obviously, Heat fans know how good Bam is and and what he means to the team and and all that stuff. And everybody kind of acknowledges the leap that he's taken. Zach Lowe has helped with that kind of stuff, and he's gotten some national love. But it's a whole different story when all the games are shown. It's on the biggest stage. And if he gets the opportunity to, you know, like square up with someone like Giannis in a series, like, like that, that's the kind of stuff that, that makes waves throughout the league. So I think that that's definitely, he's the guy who could explode in this postseason, particularly because it's such a wonky, like unpredictable. We don't really know what it's going to be like, like he may have the chance to, to really make uh, an imprint and that's good for the heat because they have flexibility the next two off seasons alex what does that look like though what what is the imprint what bam's imprint yeah what i mean what do we need to see that we haven't seen already oh i mean you just got to see him basically do what he was doing in the regular season where he just looks smooth and comfortable where he was you know kind of letting the offense come to him he was making reads you know and i think honestly the best way to kind of picture what we don't want versus what we do want with Bam is seeing that first game versus Philadelphia compared to the Bam we saw in the other games versus mm-hmm. Philly. I think mm-hmm. that's just a, probably the most simple way to, to kind of describe it, right? Like you see the difference there. Somebody who was a little bit more uh, hesitant in that first game 
uh, was kind of not willing to take some of those open mid-range jump shots, wanted to get uh, closer to the paint, wanted to set up his teammates who weren't able to break free. And then in all the other games, he just looked way more confident, way more aggressive, was getting to the rim and was taking those open jumpers. We already know he's going to give, you know, he's going to give elite defense, uh, top 10, top five defensive player of the year, candidate defense, by the way. But the offensively, I think, is where we got, we got to see him be consistent for a whole series, for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you see the SPN voting, I think they did some polling, and he was top five for defensive player of the year. So I don't think he's going to win it, uh, but he's going to be up there. Uh, you know, he is so far ahead of where they expected that he would be at this point. And I just anticipate, like, if I look at every Heat player and I say, who's going to grow the most during this break? It's him. I think that Jimmy is probably working the hardest, <laughs> but with Jimmy, Jimmy has already in some ways squeezed everything out. There, there is, Jimmy has already exceeded every possible expectation for his career, where he came from, JC, not recruited, 30th pick in the first round, playing behind the guys he was playing behind in Chicago. Like, I, I don't know what else is there. Like, I, I just don't, well, you know? Well, there's the jump shot. Well, although there is, but that's getting back <laughs> something he kind of had. Like, I don't yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. with Jimmy, it's going to be like and all of a sudden there's this other level of growth. Like, I feel it, like we've it's seen also, Jimmy. It's also putting it all together on a winning team and yes. doing it like that way. So there's also some, some elements of that that aren't necessarily individual game specific that we wanted to see from Jimmy. So I think that that's also, you know, a part well, of Well, and Leif, I think to that point, that's a good point because I think to that point, that's some, some of the reasons why some of the numbers have come back a little bit. The shot attempts have come back. The usage came back even more. The assists did go up, but there are sacrifices that he had to make that do show growth in his game, but aren't going to show statistically. And so that's, uh, in fact, they're going to go the other direction. So I don't know that you can squeeze much more out of him. And I, I think that, again, part of the – and I've told – I've said on this podcast, I was told by people very close to Jimmy Butler that Bam Adebayo is the favorite teammate he's ever had. And, and I think when you look at why, okay, it's not just Bam's talent, but I think Jimmy is smart enough to recognize the situation. Jimmy says things all the time like Bam's best player. Jimmy believes some of that. He knows what a tough SOB is, but he also knows that, like – he has a max to his talent level. He has said that, but he looks at bam and he doesn't see a max as you say all the time life, no ceiling. So I think that Jimmy recognized very early, like if I'm going to get to where I want to go, there's only so much better I can get, but mm -hmm. getting him better. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you can take him. I asked a buddy of mine who, who knows a lot of NBA players um, about bam. Uh, and he said that what he hears from a lot of guys is, um, that they love Bam because he's got a great, like he's a cool dude and he loves to pass and play defense. And like to get a star player that has the kind of ability that he does to do those two things, to pass, play defense, and those being his specialties, uh, guys want to play with that and they, lo they love that about him. So, um, you know, he's definitely the guy that's going to take this thing to the next level. How many, how many guys are there? I was thinking about that. How many guys in the league are there like that, that, that just want to pass and play defense? Lonzo Ball? Ben Simmons? Ben, maybe. But Ben is – but see, it's funny. Ben's not perceived as unselfish because, I mean, because well, of the, the way he acts off the court. No, but the way he acts off the court, right? Like, I think there's a – I don't know. I like – Bam is taken more seriously in terms of his, his love for basketball. Does Ben love basketball? Do we know? Oh, come on. Don't do that. Does he? I don't, I don't know. I mean, he didn't seem to I mean, at LSU, right? I mean, I, and I understand college is different, but – 
Well, the guy has the guy took a major leap from LSU to the league and has been, you know, pretty much an all-star caliber player since he entered the league. As much as I don't want to say that, so I don't, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that about Ben Simmons until he starts like dropping off. There were but, moments but, where Justice Winslow looked like he loved to play basketball more than Ben Simmons in that playoff series. Though. He did, I know it was a that, short series. But. And now there's a bunch of question whether he loves it at all, right? But, like, you know, I, I'm just thinking historically, like guys who love to play defense and pass. I think Jason Kidd in his prime, one of those guys. Yeah. How um, many uh, – Gary Payton in his prime? Gary, Gary obviously had a bit of a scoring mentality too. I know I'm kind of cheating here, but Garnett and Duncan had a little bit of that. Where yeah. I mean, but I mean, not passing like necessarily getting seven assists a game kind of passing. But um, Garnett wasn't too far off. The the list is no. short though. The, your point is well taken there. Garnett it's, really it's, it's is the best comparison for Bam, man. It's the he's the best. Well, comparison. I've noticed that Bam started to make the comparison himself, which I, yeah. which which is is a good thing. Actually, he said that the first exactly. time that I spoke to him when he I think he was in the second year, and and he said that, that he wants to be like Kevin Garnett, and yes. I think Please. it's perfect. The, the, like, the, yes. the more that Bam engages his ego in that respect, like really takes like that, that's a heart and goes after that kind of thing. I think it's good for him to kind of exude that kind of confidence, even if he does it in an outlandish way here or there. I think it's good for him. The games are so similar too. like when you really think about it, I was looking through Garnett's stat line. Like he was he had multiple seasons there in Minnesota, you know, four or five. But, but the difference is KG developed that 15 footer. That, that's the thing. Like that is the. the, the that's why difference. they're so similar. Bam, uh, right. Bam's got it right there. Just waiting to, he, to have he, it polished. He, he's He's got to tap it. And, you know, because yeah. pe- people think of KG, there's so many players that when they go to a new spot, the people forget what they were in the old spot. Like, I feel like Ray Allen was one of those guys. Like, every, everybody totally. forgot. Like, you're right. I mean, he went to Boston. Everybody forgot. Oh, my. You know, Ray was averaging 25, like, getting to the basket consistently in Seattle. Um, but I feel like KG is one of those guys. Like, KG went to Boston and played a very different role than he did in Minnesota. Very different. And was still uh, their best player. He was still – yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, we, I think we all agree on that. Because um, it wasn't went, Pierce, damn it. Because it wasn't Pierce, right. <laughs> right. 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 It definitely wasn't Pierce. Uh, but maybe it was Jason Terry. Um, but it definitely was not Pierce. But, but, but KG was developed in a different kind of player. Bam is never going to have KG's personality. It's different and good, okay, in some ways, good. Although KG in Minnesota was a sunnier figure than he was in Boston. That, that changed a little bit, too. Like, KG early in his career like, was known as the kid. Like, he was fun. And then he became kind of surly. But anyway, I think we all agree on Bam. All right, let's get to number three. Um, we're going to go off the board here a little bit to Eric Spolstra. And here's my take on this. Eric doesn't need to prove anybody to, anything to anybody at this point. I thought Eric's statement the other day, by the way, about what's going on in the country was typical Spolstra, totally reading the moment and speaking from the heart. Because if you know Eric... Uh, personally, you know that what he said in his statement that the Heat put out on Twitter and on their website is what Eric believes. Um, and and he, say, he to me, he was the right voice for it. But I do think nationally that there is still the perception that Eric hasn't won anything without Braun. And he finally got his team. He got his coaching staff. He got his development program. And I thought he had as good a first 40 games of the season as he's ever had with the heat. And then it started to tail off a little bit. And, and I didn't, and you know, we're forgetting about some of this now, but the last 20 games were not great. (laughs) And there were some decisions he made that were not great. And now he's in an Eastern conference. And Alex and I talked about this the other day. 
with some pretty damn good coaches, okay, who are going to – and this is – and Eric said this, and he spoke to a couple of beat writers and said this – there shouldn't be an asterisk. This is, in fact, this is exactly what Alex and I said on the pod. There shouldn't be an asterisk because this is actually the truest test of an organization because you put all this stuff back together quickly when you don't know who you're getting back and you don't know how it's going to go and you got to do it, you know, run a dime. But you've got Nick Nurse who's proven himself. You've got Brad Stevens who uh, he fans joke about is a pretty damn good coach, Okay. <laughs> You've got uh, Nate McMillan, who's done a real good job with Indiana. You've got, uh, you know, Budenholzer, who's a pretty damn good coach. He's done good things in Milwaukee. And even at the bottom of the conference, I don't think they'll do much. Steve Clifford's a really good coach. I mean, to me, the only questions are, I couldn't remember who was coaching the Nets. And it so used that's, to be Kenny Atkinson. Now it's Jack right, Vaughn, I believe. It was Jack Vaughn. It is Jack Vaughn. And then the other one is, is Brett Brown, who doesn't seem any, have any control on that team. So Spo is going to be challenged in that conference against other really good coaches. And Alex, to me, this is his chance to, I mean, he's got a young team, uh, all that culture stuff. He's had three months, four months to kind of figure out how he wants this thing to look and what went wrong at the end. Time to integrate Iguodala Crowder in a real way. I think Spo's on the spot a little bit. Yeah, well, I think Spo is on the spot for a couple of reasons there, right? Like, this is, like you said, it started off great, like, way ahead of schedule. And I would still say, I think we all agree they're still ahead of schedule for what we thought, you know, preseason when ESPN was putting them in the same tier as Orlando and Detroit. And I'm, I'm never going to let that go, by the way. I just, I just thought that was patently ridiculous. But uh, I think because, of, because they're ahead of schedule, it gives Spo a little bit of a cushion, right? Like, they weren't expected to be as good as these other teams. But at the same time, because there's no home court advantage they were supposed to have, right? Uh, because they're going to have to play all these other good teams in the East. Uh, you know, there's there's some quality teams, man. Maybe they're not as top-heavy as the West. Maybe they're not as deep as the West. But the East is good. Like you said, there's some great coaches. And the circumstances are just unprecedented. I think Spo doing well and, you know, in this playoffs would mean a lot for him. I think it would mean a lot for his career, too. I think he's already, you know, well-reputed as, as probably one of the greatest coaches ever at this point. But he's one of the... He's one of the best coaches in the league now, and all he has to do now is fix that defense, make sure they can properly compete against some of these teams, right? Well, and yeah. another thing with coaching is like, uh, you know, you kind of know what, that your stars are going to show up, and it's those those rotation players, those key guys, maybe some of the um, the seventh or the eighth guy that comes in and makes contributions, and who those guys are are going to be particularly important in this setting because it's so much different than ever before and who can handle it and who's going to show up. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. So I think Spo has an interesting like chess match um, to play with that he maybe wouldn't have also normally. So that's just another interesting like wrinkle in all of this. Yeah, he likes this puzzle putting together. Like if you've talked to him, he enjoys kind of the idea of how's this going to work with, with this and who's going to work well with this guy. And, and, you know, I, I know that Heat fans sometimes have some frustration with the in-game decisions. I think one of the things that Spo does well is the overall planning Uh, kind of where, where do we want to get to in this circumstance? So what is the goal now? And what is the goal 
couple months from now. And sometimes it's backfired. Like if you look at the big three team, his whole thing was we're going to put in the defense. We're going to put in the defense. We're going to put in the defense. They were halfway through that season and they couldn't play offense. And so it hasn't always gone perfectly. But I think with this team, he had a vision from the beginning. You know, I don't think he, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen with Justice. You didn't know that JJ and Dion were going to come to camp and piss everybody off again. Uh, but Maybe he you knew. A, but he might have known on Dion. Yeah, I don't think they knew on JJ. I thought that I think they <laughs> thought JJ had kind of learned the lesson. But I think that you know, being up at training camp, you and I were up at training camp in Palm Beach, Alex. I mean, I think he had a vision. He knew from the beginning Hero was going to contribute. He knew none was going to be a factor. Correct. Yeah, right. none yeah, he, and Duncan Robinson. Like, don't let anyone fool you. They went knew. into that season knowing that those two guys were going to be contributors. And yep. the, the interesting thing is how quiet they were about it. Not mm-hmm. that we need to derail ourselves <laughs> here, but um, like nobody That's expected funny. it, but they totally were on target with that going in. And you know how I knew too when we when I had Eric Reed on a podcast before the season, he couldn't stop talking about Kendrick Nunn like a week before the season. I'm like, I know it was after the 40 point game, but Eric's not talking about somebody that much that the organization hasn't been pushing behind the scenes. I'm not saying Eric doesn't think for himself. He does, but I'm also saying that like he had an idea. Okay. <laughs> they saw something in none. And when we were all focusing on hero at summer league, you know, but we're like, Oh, this nun guy's pretty good too. He's probably, he's going to make the roster. Uh, they were thinking a lot more than that. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I think that he has done a really good job. And uh, again, I have confidence in him and his ability to keep his group engaged during this. I also think, and this is no small thing, we're trying not to talk too much politics on this pod, but I also think the fact that Spo is a guy who has his players' backs in these kind of situations, that Spo is a guy who's more progressive than some other NBA coaches, maybe not so than Pop and Kerr, but he's kind of in that space. I think that helps him with his players. I think that helps him through a situation like this. I think there's a recognition of kind of what's going on uh, and that he's going to be sensitive to the situation and that helps earn trust and i've told this story many times before on the pod but jimmy butler came into training camp this year planning to test spo and he did it for a week and he went back and he told someone very close to him i'm not fucking with him anymore and that's it (laughs) it took it took a week and that was pretty much the story so um, I think Spo, you know, earned his stripes with this particular group. He doesn't have people who don't want to be there anymore, like Dion and some of the others and Hassan. And so I agree, I would have him, uh, I would have him third. But we're going to get to fourth and fifth here in a second. But first, let's talk about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can find him at MacaInc.net. That's M-A-C-A-I-N-C.net. Of all of our sponsors, and we've got a lot of great sponsors. This is definitely one that can help you through COVID, okay? Because you need your place, your business, your residence to be clean. They've got a three-step cleaning process. They clean and sanitize. They can remove the foreign materials from objects, which is normally accomplished using water with detergents. Um, They can take care of disinfecting also. That's the second part. The disinfection uh, step can start as soon as the initial cleaning has been complete. And then they sterilize. And so basically, you will get a certificate saying that your place has been clean, sanitized, disinfected, and sterilized. So make it safe. Make people feel comfortable coming back to your business. And everybody's a little bit shaky these days. Everybody's wearing masks. You don't know if this thing's going to blow up again. Make sure that your place is taken care of and that you show that you, you care about the people who work for you and that are your customers. So it's MACA. Inc.net, MacaInc.net. Also, uh, the guy who runs the business for Greenview Construction, Christopher Tyson, big Miami sports fan. So he's just like you, and he wants to help you out. So check it out, 
M-A-C-A-I-N-C.net. All right, let's get to the last part of this, guys. And we couldn't decide. <laughs> we had about eight options. And we've narrowed this into two categories. So let's do category four. Let's do the veteran free agents. And one of them is a young veteran. But there are four veteran free agents, all of whom have said very overtly, okay, they want to be here long-term. All of them. Myers Leonard, Goran Dragic, Derek Jones Jr., and Jay Crowder. Obviously, Derek's is younger than the rest of them. Goran's the oldest of them. You've got two are kind of in the middle of their careers. Of those four players, who has the most to prove life during this eight-game regular season and potential playoff run? Um, I think you got to go with DJJ. Uh, you know, there was a part of me that wanted to say Goran initially when, when we kind of talked through this pre-show. Um, but ultimately, we all know that the Heat are going to do right by Goran and they're going to figure something out. I mean, I think that there obviously could be um, – you know, something that comes out of nowhere, some sort of long-term contract that could change that, obviously. But Dragic is, is likely going to, um, to be in the Heat's plans, hopefully for that one season. But Derek Jones Jr., if he really comes out uh, on this stage where you're going to have so many people that are watching because they can't be at games and there's just going to be a heightened focus on, on really honing in on the 22 teams there, uh, if he shows out, that could really uh, change um, – you know, if some team wants to offer him a multi-year contract uh, above the mid-level or something like that, like how do the Heat respond to that? So I think that, that that's the guy of those four that uh, has the most to lose um, because Myers Leonard, Jay Crowder, these guys, if they're going to come back, it's going to be a conditional situation where it's a one-year deal. And, then, and the Heat are not going to give anything more than that. So uh, no matter how well they play, they're not getting multi-year deals. So it's only Derek Jones Jr. that's really looking at, at, you know, at that possibility. Yeah, I'm with Leif on this. Alex, for you. Yeah, uh, pretty much it's hard to pick anybody over DJJ just because of, like Leif mentioned, like he described, the, the variability of what could happen with Derek, right? Like I think that he probably want to bring him back on a nice, cheaper deal. Uh, maybe he'll try to go for the mid-level or higher, like, also like Leif mentioned, and – that, you know, the, the possibility of where it can go is kind of why it makes him the, the most, uh, you know, the most approved, right? Because if he just doesn't play that well, doesn't stand out much, it would be better for the Heat, right? Like just plain, <laughs> plain and simple, better for the Heat. They could offer him a, a nice three or four year deal, very short, you know, very small money and not have to worry about it. Don't have to let, you know, Bam's best friend walk. And, and that's it. You just bring back a solid defensive role player, cheap money. But now it's like, if he plays good, that's going to not only make it hard to keep him, but also everybody else because Goran is going to expect money. You know, mm -hmm. I know they don't want to let Myers or Jay Crowder walk. I, I, I think we all know that they'd like the both of them very much as well. Yeah. So Derek they, they is the most variable. They want everybody back. And, and, and trust me, DJJ's connection to BAM matters within mm -hmm. the organization. It does. But I've downplayed it a little bit, Leif, because BAM's already been through this twice now. I, That's I true. Think as true. he grows into more of a young veteran, I mean, this is part of what happens. It happened yeah, to Dwayne after his rookie year. He lost Lamar and Karan were the two guys he was closest with on that team. Karan first, and they went, and you know, and, and it's part of the maturation. And so, Bam, you know, he lost Jay Rich, who was his closest friend on the team before. Obviously, he and Justice had a relationship, you know, and, and I think that in part, I think part of what happened with Justice was he didn't handle the Jay Rich departure very well. 
and and that you know that got noticed whereas bam did you know i think you have to sort of show the organization that you can deal with the personal stuff you know as the business stuff interrupts it and still perform at a high level and bam did and justice didn't uh, and we can talk about the injury but there was more than just the injury as you know life so i i just think I don't want to overplay that. I know they're close. Um, it's not the last guy he's going to be close with that's going to be traded off his team. I, I went through it. Dwayne in Miami alone had more than 125 teammates. You know, it's it, Udonis has had how many, te- you know, more than I, I once asked Udonis to name them. Uh, I you know, it, it, it happens. Now, as far as I, I, you really raise an interesting point, Alex, because you actually looked at it totally the opposite of the way I've looked at it. But, I, but it's you can look at it the way you're looking at it you've looked at it like if he doesn't play well, it makes things easier for the heat because he's easier to bring back. Um, I think if he does play, excuse me, if he does play well, excuse me, if he doesn't play well, I think it's the other way. I think if he, (laughs) if he plays well, um, I think it's easier for the heat to justify bringing him back. When you have Casey Akpala, who we're, by the way, we're trying to get on the podcast, who's waiting and at least you can justify bringing DJJ back if he shows you something. If he doesn't, then I think it's easier to just say, okay, go. We've got this other kid who may has higher overall upside behind him. And, and I think the KZ thing can't be overlooked. Like, I, you know, there's been a lot of talk. And again, I'm trying to get KZ on the pod. But there's a lot of buzz inside the organization about KZ right now. And that affects DJJ. That, that's the closest type of player to KZ on the current roster. And I don't know That's that a fair you point. can have right and I right and I don't if neither of them are shooters and I don't know that KZ's a shooter at this point, I don't know if there's even a role for both in the organization long term. Well yeah. I think I, I don't think there should be a rush, honestly. I like I do get what you're saying for sure. I just think uh it will be in their best interest to bring back DJJ because the thing is you could probably get him back at a nice like I don't know what his market is going to be, right? Like, how, you can't really predict that. But, like, there's a solid chance it's under the mid-level. And the guy is, like, what, 23, 22? Yeah, he's obviously no. Bam's best friend. He's a very good defensive player as it is already. We see that he can guard guards. Uh, he, he can play the three or the four. And there's obviously there's obvious growth for him to have there. And I just think he could be a solid rotation player for years to come if they get him at the right price. And then the other thing is maybe it's because my preference would be that if you had to let one of those four walk, it would be Myers just because you already have Kelly there. And, you know, the same kind of argument you're making uh, for KZ, which is because I think they already have so many veterans. And I just don't really see the need to kind of pit uh, DJJ and KZ against each other when they're all just part of your young core at this point. Yeah, and somebody ultimately emerges, and we kind of used to pit Justice against Jay Rich, and then... And now they're both gone. And now they're both gone, and F- Philly kind of made the decision there, honestly, because Philly didn't see value in Justice when, when they were... I mean, that would have made no sense. Well, no, no, and- no, it didn't. It was always Jay Rich was a better fit up there. <laughs> the the other factor with DJJ is that, you know, we're talking about whether his um, on-court or, you know, performance, good or bad, impacts the heat's ability to keep them and if they should or they should not. But also the salary cap and what happens with that ultimately could also end up benefiting the heat if contracts um, shrink down, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if they do some sort of cap smoothing where there's not enough spending going on around the league, that may also give the heat the opportunity to keep him because he is young. I mean, like Alex is right. If you could keep him and still keep KZ in the pipeline, that's obviously the most ideal scenario because these are good players that can complement the kind of stars that you want to build around. Yeah. I just wonder if you're going to have Jimmy as one of your lead guys 
and you have KZ who's not a shooter yet, and you've got Bam who's not a shooter yet, and you've got DJJ who may never really be a shooter, then even if you have the heroes on the Robinsons, you've got four non-shooters in your rotation. One you know, gotta in the go. Mo- <laughs> one gotta go. I just think, it's <laughs> tough, know? man. It's tough to let go like of these. Like they have, you have so few good defenders. Like I'm more worried about that. I, I, yeah. I know, I, I know, but I also think that they think like they went out and got Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala this year. Like they, they could replace they, they DJJ they with somebody else. Find somebody down the road who can be a rotate. And so the question becomes: Is there another team that sees DJJ as more? Is there some other team that sees DJJ? Like DJJ is the Atlanta, kind of guy that like, like, the, like Atlanta or the Suns. I mean, it won't be the Suns, obviously, because he was there. But Atlanta <laughs> or Sacramento like would overpay for with higher – or the Knicks, like having expectations. Or Chicago. Like you know having, something, Lee? Right. <laughs> I'm telling you. No, they oh. like him. No, they like him. But it could be – it's a team like that that hasn't been run well. That, and there's no offense to DJJ, but we'll look at DJJ as more than he is, whereas he has the perfect role with the Heat that he can grow into. But somewhere else he'll go, and they'll expect him to score at a high level, and he won't at, at an efficient level. And then it, the contract's going to look bad. It, he is like prototypical, like, Nick mistake, whereas he's a Heat find. Like, it's just that, – that is – that that's where that is going. It's like Julius Randle, and again, different kind of player, but Julius Randle would help a lot of teams. The Knicks were not one of them, which is not one of them. Like uh, Julius Randle would help the Heat a lot, okay? He just, he would have been perfect on the Heat. Not going to help them. All right, let, let's let's get to number five, the young guys. Hero, Nunn, and Robinson. Robinson's not actually, I mean, Robinson's four years older than DJJ, but anyway, uh, in, in terms of, you know, they're under contract to the Heat going forward. None Robinson Hero. They're all at good prices. Uh, n- I mean, none's at a ridiculously good price. I'm going to say, and you guys may disagree with me, I think Kendrick Nunn has the most at stake here. Mm-hmm. Tyler Hero is, and, you know, I know Tyler has had an interesting sort of off time here. He was, at, he was Black Lives Matter yesterday. Obviously, people know he's been on IG quite a bit and other places. But Tyler Hero is either going to be a star for the Heat or a potential star somewhere else. Like, I, I don't feel like in terms of there's something being at stake for him. Yes, you want to see him do what Dwayne did as a rookie. But, like, I don't feel like uh, there's not a huge downside there. Duncan Robinson is going to make threes, okay? They, the Heat view him as a core piece. Nothing's going to change there. Kendrick Nunn, though, I don't know. Like, as much as they like him, he's going to be 25 soon. We keep, you know, today was Barry reporting about Oladipo. I feel like whoa, we're whoa, just all whoa, talking. Whoa, whoa. I missed that. What, could you say no, that for the ju- audience? No, ju- no, just that, that he reported that Oladipo is plan B if they don't get Giannis, which we've all said. I mean, it's oh, not, it's, 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 not no it's not different. But, but it's just that, you know, with Kendrick, there's always this assumption that eventually he's not going to be this, a starting guard for the Heat, and then he'll probably be either somewhere else or maybe potentially their sixth or seventh man. Um, he can prove to be more, though. I mean, when I, the, to me, the comp for him is – I keep using the John Starks comp with him. Like, when, when Pat Riley brought in John Starks, who was bagging groceries, okay, which isn't that all that much different from what Kendrick Nunn's situation was, and he brought him in, like, John Starks wasn't supposed to be a starting guard for that team, uh, wasn't supposed to be challenging Michael Jordan in Eastern Conference Finals, and he was. And he was a core piece for the Knicks for, what, six, seven, eight years. I feel like in a lot of ways we've underestimated Kendrick Nunn this whole time. And maybe he's going to, if he averages 18 points in the playoffs on 45% shooting, 
Maybe we've done it again. I, to me, that's the guy who can prove the most that he is a core piece. Life. Well, th- there's a couple issues first we need to address. One is um, Duncan Robinson has a max contract at stake here with the way he's been shooting. And Tyler Hero has the Steph Curry leap uh, at stake as well. So that's how high I am on those two guys. But to be more serious, Kendrick Nunn is the guy like he has to be because he's the one piece that you would think could be dangled in a trade that may have some value, especially, um, you know, as a cost controlled young player. Um, And we also we want to figure out how good he really is. Um, what his exact role is on a, on a winning team. Is he more like, you know, that six man guy. Um, so I think that that's the, the obvious choice. Um, and, and he'll be the piece that I think you hear in trade rumors most. I mean, Tyler hero for as much as people want to put him in Bradley Beal trades. And I think ultimately you'd have to look at something like that. The, the organization is not interested in trading Tyler hero at this point or Duncan Robinson. So it's really, but I've heard less than that about Kendrick Nunn in terms of, um, who would be available. So that that's another huge thing in terms of being at stake, you know, with the future on this team. He is Alex Kendrick Nunn, the way he's been described to me internally is he's found money like yes. he, he, like you know what i'm saying like, like he is it's a great that's exactly story. what i was gonna say that's right? exactly what i was gonna say right now it's but, a great you know, story but but they, they they grabbed him out of nowhere whereas duncan robinson they've put some real work into and tyler hero they've invested a top 15 pick in it's just different yeah it's different at this point i think the found money is, is exactly what i'm gonna say right he I think there's no questioning it has the most at stake in this playoff run, right? Like, because we've already heard that they kind of, you know, the order of preference at this point is Hero and Duncan, whatever, you know, whatever that order is, I'm sure Hero is ahead of Duncan still. But more than that, Duncan is ahead of Kendrick Nunn. So, like you guys have already mentioned, he will be the most likely to get traded in, in you know, one of these types of deals. And again, I'm, I'm very skeptical they would ever be able to get Bradley Beal without, without trading Hero. But he has the most at stake but the one that has most to prove here and this is going to be a weird choice I think it's Tyler Hero because even though he's a rookie even though he's already ahead of schedule right he's already proven that he's one of the best rookies this year and then he's going to be part of the foundation I think because of how short term this project has become right where like there's pressure on the heat to land somebody else and to kind of produce in short time they need Hero to be at least as good as he was in the regular season if they really want to, like, keep uh, going forward in this plan and keep being ahead of schedule. They already are, right? This whole season has already mm-hmm. found money. They're ahead, yeah. of, they're ahead of schedule, period, no matter what happens. I mean, uh, uh, imagine maybe unless they lose in the first round. But Imagine which superstars' ears would perk up if not only Bam took this leap in the mm-hmm. playoffs, but also you had Tyler Hero going exactly. unconscious, doing the Philly step-back three-pointers late in games. Like, mm-hmm. if you had both of that stuff happening in tandem, you know, it just opens up possibilities to go whale hunting. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about that in the performance, but also Tyler Hero's got a little edge to him, and I feel like guys are... He's the only him. one not starting, by the way. <laughs> right. Well, that's right. Th- but that's... But that's th- I feel like... There, I feel like that's going to be attractive to other players too. I think you want to play as long as, as and I, it's a perfect combination with Tyler because he's totally, uh, totally enamored with Jimmy, and it's obvious, right? It's come across at the same time as he has a cockiness and edge to him. So it's like if you're a star, you're like, okay, I want to play with that guy because I know that that's an mf'er who I can trust, and at the same time, like I also think he'll know his role and his place with me. 
It's yeah. a very, very he, good combination. Actually. He balances confidence and humility very well for right. a rookie. I mean, for any player, yep. but particularly as someone his age. Yeah. And I don't think, uh, let's be honest, guys, I don't think it hurts that he's been out there on social media with Black, Black Lives Matter protests and everything else. I mean, he, he's not alieniating himself from the rest of the NBA population. Uh, he's fully embracing it. It's definitely point. a positive thing. And There's I no doubt good. about it. No doubt about it. It's positive. All right. So that's our list. That's our list. Check out our sponsors, MaccaInc.net and also BankruptcyIsGoodForYou.com. Also, all of our other sponsors, Christopher'sBakery.com backslash five reasons and use the code five reasons, spell it out for 15% off. MrMSubs.com. That's the one in Davie, 15% off if you order online with the code 5R and all the others. We've got more episodes coming up this week. I'll be talking to, and one of these guys might join me, I'll be talking to Jared Greenberg uh, from NBA TV. We're going to do the exact same thing except with the NBA. So the entire NBA, I'm guessing that a guy in LA might be on, on the list, maybe two of them, maybe three of them. Uh, so, so we'll get into that. Uh, again, follow Leif at Greg Sylvander. Follow Alex at Tropical Blanket. Follow Alf wherever he is tonight because he disappeared on us. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.